Now, it is possible, because we're human, that we do not fully understand what regeneration means. Uh, We might say that the ignorance of the good book has reached biblical proportions in our society. I heard of a United Kingdom supermarket chain that decided it wanted to lecture all of those in Britain on the subject of Easter. So in the London Times press appeared this article which said, Brits are set to spend a massive 520 million pounds. At the time, that was about one billion, a little more than one billion dollars. So Brits are set to spend a massive 520 million pounds on Easter eggs this year, but many young people don't even know what Easter's all about. And then they went on to tell everyone what Easter was all about. And they said, Easter is all about the birth of Jesus. Okay, so I know there's not a lot of laughing at that, so I'm a little worried about you. So they made a hasty revision uh, which said, Britain's mounting ignorance regarding Easter, and they published this in the London Times. Britain's mounting ignorance regarding Easter, and so they changed their previous statement to say Easter was about rebirth. Okay, nobody's laughing there either. Okay, third revision. And said that Easter was about resurrection. That was after they had consulted with the Church of England leaders. And finally knew. So they're going to lecture everybody what it's about. And they didn't know themselves. Some things are easy to regenerate. Or at least somewhat easy. Like an old car. You can kind of fix it up. Some people have fixed old cars up to look brand new. Uh, put a new engine in it, whatever. You can have an old house and you can renew it. So there's a regeneration of some things that make perfect sense. But there's some things that don't make sense to regenerate, like a burnt match. What are you going to do with that? You know, you can't regenerate. So some things don't make sense. So regeneration, and, and in the New Testament, the word is palygenesis or palygenesia. So it basically has the word Genesis in it. And, and you kind of know what Genesis is, right? So it basically means Genesis again. It means creation again. It means uh, origin all over again. It means to start over again, basically. Can it really be done? Can that really be done on a physical level? That's an important question to ask. That's not really what the lesson's about, but it would be great if I went that direction with this lesson, and that would be a great lesson for us to think on. Uh, Can things really regenerate? Well, you could say, well, a tree, you can cut a tree down, and then, then the stump will grow back. That's not really what we're talking about. Or maybe you've heard of what's called a, a hydra. Now, believe it or not, these little freshwater creatures, and they're teeny tiny. Right now, it looks like they're immortal. Scientists think they're immortal. They haven't been able to find them dying. You can take a piece of them, cut a piece off, and the whole thing will grow back. 
When it reproduces, it splits right down the middle and starts all over again. That little thing right there floating around in the ocean might actually be immortal. That's weird, isn't it? Didn't know that, did you? That's called regeneration. Starfish, tear off a complete limb and it'll grow it back. That's pretty amazing. That plant underneath it, it, I've seen that plant. That plant grows in Africa. And when it dies, it's just, you just grab it and it just falls apart in your hands. A whiff of water and it comes right back. It's called the resurrection plant. So, I mean, regeneration is something actually in this world. In fact, have you ever heard of a guy named Adam that had a rib taken out of his side? Right? And made somebody important with that, right? Did you know? That young people, some of you could do it, can have a rib removed and you can, it'll regrow the bone right there in your rib. There's a thing called rib, uh, let me see if I can get this right, periostom, which is actually the sheath around the outside of the rib. And if you're very good as a doctor, you can literally peel it open, peel the rib out of that stuff and a bone will regrow in there. And people use that to reconstruct people's faces. So you could, you'll have a bone that won't be rejected by your own body. Did you know that? Regrow ribs. So men, y'all don't have one less rib. It's the one that was taken out and just grew back. But there's other things that suggest it. I mean, I could go to video games. I mean, you can save a character in a video game, kids, right? In the game and come right back where you were. So there are ideas in the physical realm that literally exist that suggest regeneration literally is already conceivably possible. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm not going to get into that. 1 Corinthians 15, you want to study resurrection and regeneration like that? That's 1 Corinthians 15. But regeneration equaling resurrection is obviously a contention in scripture and it's true. So regeneration, this palygenesia, uh, basically means Genesis again, creation again, origin again, starting over, rebirth kind of thing. Can it really be done on a spiritual level? That's an important question, don't you think? Can that be done? Because that's the lesson today. Can it really be done on a spiritual level? Ignatius, who died back in 108, said, few souls understand what God would accomplish in them if they were to abandon themselves unreservedly to him. Thomas Akempis, back in, before he died in 1471, he said, the more a man dies to himself, the more he begins to live unto God. So these people are going to rise again, regeneration. Martin Luther, who died in 1546, said, until a man is nothing, God can make nothing out of him. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who died in 1892, said, I have now concentrated all my prayer into one, that I may die to self and live wholly to him. Is this regeneration possible? Dwight L. Moody, who died in 1899, said, Let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who died in 1945, says, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. 
Can you really regenerate spiritually? Vance Havner, who died back in 1986, he's talking about a missionary was bound for Africa. And the captain on the boat, this was long ago, laughed at him and said, you'll all die over there. And the missionary said, Captain, we died before we started. Regeneration, spiritually, can you really regenerate? This is not meant as a complete explanation on regeneration. You see how many points I've got today? And I know you're nervous. I don't blame you. But I'm not going to explain everything about regeneration. I wanted to give you a taste of the vastness of the subject. I want you to see how broad this... I'm not even dealing with resurrection, which is one of the meanings. So I want to just deal with the spiritual, some of the spiritual meanings. And this is not going to cover all of those. So let's walk our way through them, if you will. And you'll see the first five. Regeneration's purpose is rebirth. John chapter 3, 1 through 7. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, regenerated, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. You must be regenerated. It's a rebirth. Regeneration's purpose is not only for rebirth. Regeneration's purpose is for the reward. We get a reward in the resurrection. Listen to Matthew chapter 19, verses 23 through 30. It says, Then Peter answered and said unto him, See, we have left all and followed you. Have you left all to follow the Lord? See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? We're going to get anything out of this? Verse 28. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, That in the regeneration, in the regeneration, he's talking about the resurrection there. In the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, everyone, so if you missed out on that group, listen to this. And everyone who's left houses, or brothers, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Sounds pretty sweet to me. That's the reward. Third thing, what is it all about? Regeneration's purpose is redemption. In Romans chapter 8, this is a great text because it uses the word creation over and over again, which is that word, the second half of regeneration. In Romans chapter 8, beginning verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings, you want to complain about your sufferings and say, God, why did you allow this into my life? If you were a good God, you wouldn't allow this. You don't understand the premise. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. You're not even worthy to bring it up. You shouldn't even bring it up. 
are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. How is that glory going to be revealed in us? Listen carefully. For the earnest expectation of the creation, that's all that we know, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. What's he talking about? When we will see you as you really are. Verse 20. For the creation was subjected in futility. That's me and you. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because this, the creation itself also, will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We'll see what that's really like one day. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. We can't wait to be born again. In a different way. Verse 23. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. That's regeneration. So it is redemption that I'm. You say, well, I've already been redeemed. Your body hasn't been yet. Not yet. Otherwise, you quit sinning. You still sin, right? That's because your body works against you, right? But in the resurrected body, it won't work against you anymore. You'll have a spiritual body. Number, whatever it is. Is there numbers? There are not even numbers up there. Regeneration's purpose is reconciliation. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. We're just reading scripture today, folks. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. You in Christ? Amen? Baptized into Christ? If anyone. Oh, that's just talking about the really good ones. (laughs) No, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's the rebirth, regeneration, a new creation. All things have passed away. Thank the Lord, all that's gone. Behold, all things have become new. Is it new today? It's new every morning. Now all things are of God who hath reconciled, he put us back together, reconciled us to himself. He didn't, we didn't do this. We didn't reconcile ourselves to God. God reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, those of us who are alive, the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. So we are reunited with God. That's what regeneration means. But then, am I going too far? No, not one more. I ain't got any numbers up there. That would help if I had numbers on that, wouldn't it? Regeneration's purpose is reticence. And this is important because... If we don't realize it, sometimes we, we don't realize how important humility is. In our world, it's all about braggadocia. And being self-effacing is quite a great characteristic. Being willing to be quiet about what you've done. Galatians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. But God forbid, God forbid, God forbid that I should boast. Amen. But God forbid that I should boast, except, except in one thing, in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation, the regeneration. That's everything. And so I'm reticent about bragging. 
I won't get in heaven and say, boy, I was such a great saint. God just had to save me. None of us will do that. Five more. We're going to get through? I hope so. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. It's about reunion. For he himself is our peace. Christ created peace. Who has made both one. See, man separated. The good guys on the one side, the bad guys on the other, the Jews on the one side, and the rest of us. We were the younger brother who went out, wanted, didn't want anything to do with the father. Give me my portion. Let me go out and sin. And the elder brother stayed faithful in there and he developed a bad attitude. So we were both in a mess, right? So the one that went out to sin, that's us. But there's going to be a reunion. Let's have the party. Let's kill the fatted calf. Let's have the reunion. Listen to what he says. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one. Two became one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that division that we have. That is the law of commandments. The old law is gone as far as the commandments are concerned now for salvation. Contained in ordinances so as to create, remember that, regeneration to recreate in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. So we're no longer two men. Mankind is not two men. Mankind is now one man again, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body. That's the church of our Lord, the kingdom of God, through the cross, hereby, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who are near. Verse 18, for through him we have access by one spirit unto the Father. So, that's this reunion. And I, I want to say something. It's not just in the church, but in heaven. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Jews who thought they were the only ones. Right? And we're in it with them. Won't that be neat? And people of nations that we fought against and killed. And then the two that have killed each other together in the kingdom. Yeah, won't that be? What a reunion that will be. That's the regeneration. Everybody back to one again. There was one man in the beginning. There was one man in the end. And then regeneration's purpose is not only reunion, but regeneration's purpose is for repentance. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, it says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So even after you're saved, you have to keep working on this? Absolutely. Verse 23, and be renewed, renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which was, there's that word again, created according to God in truth. True righteousness and holiness. We are trying to put on that new man that we haven't quite got yet because my body has not been redeemed yet. My soul has been redeemed. My body has not been redeemed until the resurrection. And at this point, it needs to, I have to work at recreating it. I have to work at recreating it and renewing it. Number eight. Regeneration's purpose is renewal, which is a part of what was just read a moment ago. It was a reading in the beginning. Uh, Titus chapter t- 3, we'll just start in verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we've done, uh, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, 
whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ. This regeneration involves a renewing of the Holy Spirit. God once was with us and then we sinned and we weren't with God. But when God's Spirit comes back in, here's the thing. The point isn't just about being forgiven. The point is about God's Spirit living within. And God's Spirit couldn't live within until we'd been forgiven. So this renewing of the Holy Spirit is critical. Uh, Whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So there it is. That renewal. And then number nine. I know you were scared we weren't going to get here, but we're there right at it and breathing all over it now. Regeneration's purpose is revelation. God intended to teach us some stuff. And we're not through. and We won't be through after we get out of this world. But listen to this statement. And the reason that's true is because the word of God lives and abides forever. So we'll be taught the word of God forever. When we get to heaven and say we won't study the Bible anymore, we're going to be reading the Bible forevermore. The Word of God lives forever. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23, it says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. The reason you're going to live forever is because the Word of God abides in you. Through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is His grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, uh, uh, falls away. That's, I mean, that's all we see, right? You look in the mirror every day, right? You've noticed. The flower fades. Right? And then it finally goes. Verse 25. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. That word in us makes us incorruptible. The incorruptible word of God. So that revelation and the teaching we will receive not only now but forevermore gives us life. Man does not live by bread alone. But by every word. That proceeds from the mouth of God. You live forever because the word comes to you. Finally, the last one is righteousness. Regeneration's purpose is righteousness itself. 2 Peter 3 verse 13. Nevertheless, we according to his promise. We look for new heavens and a new earth. That palygenesis. New heaven and new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's you and me. Not just him, but you and me dwell there. Already. So... That's rebirth, reward, redemption, reconciliation, reticence, reunion, repentance. You, you begin to catch on. We haven't begun to cover all of this. Do you understand? The purpose of regeneration. Now, some believe re- regeneration and rebirth isn't even possible. They mock us. Um, there's a word, a German word, and I'm not any good at German. It's Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. And it means rather than feel sympathy for someone's misfortune, it evokes joy, taking pleasure, and watching them fail. It's kind of the way the LSU people felt last night. And some of you as well. But you see, I want to remind you of a concept. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. But the enemies of the gospel don't believe. They don't believe in a rebirth. They don't believe in a regeneration. They don't believe in these things. And you see it when you fail. They're tickled to death to see you fall. You call yourself a Christian. And they think that's evidence. Oh, there's nothing to this. 
Now, that's only evidence that your body has not been redeemed. But it's not evidence my soul has not been redeemed. My soul has been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? That's, I believe the gospel is the power of God that changes us. But I want to tell you something. We may not be perfect, but we are a lot better than we were. Amen? The world has changed to us and we have changed to the world. We are not about us anymore. The world to us is dead. And we are alive to God forevermore. Now, there was a guy named Adon Iram. Weird first name. Adon Iram Judson. So let's go with Judson, right? So Judson, back in 1850, became the first American missionary to Burma. He went there, back in those days, one-way ticket. He went, and he died 40 years later. He went at age 25, and he left in 1812. It took him till 1813 to get there. Yeah, it wasn't like flying today, right? You ride a boat and get out and walk. And... In 1823... Ten years after his arrival and all the work he had done in Burma, his congregation was a massive 18 people. 18 people. Then a war broke out in 1824, the Anglo-Burmese War, which was between the British and the Burmese. Because he was an American, they easily confused him with the Brits, right? And so he was suspected of spying. So Judson was imprisoned. He was violently arrested in front of his wife by an executioner who burst in, threw him to the ground in front of his wife, and bound him with what's called torture thongs. Dragged him off to the infamous and vermin-ridden prison of death at Abba. He was at Ava for 12 agonizing months, almost starving to death. A small group of surviving Western prisoners, mainly British, were marked, uh, marched overland, barefoot and sick, to another primitive prison for six more months. At the end of the six months in that prison called Mandalay, only one British prisoner of war was still alive. That's how rough it was there. He was still alive. And he suffered many brutalities for 20 months. He, half, he was half star. And he was always changed, chained to iron fetters. During that time in that foul jail cell. Being held for nothing he had done wrong. Only there to be a missionary. He was chained to a 32 pound chain that was attached to a bamboo pole in the center. In that moment, a fellow prisoner one day asked him, Dr. Judson, what about the prospects of the conversion of the heathen? And he said, the prospects are just as bright as the promises of God. Would you feel that way after all that time? Twelve years in, 18 converts, almost killed. His wife died shortly after being released. She fought for his release, had a baby, and she and the baby died. 
His goal when he went to Burmese, he had hoped that he would be able to translate the Bible into their language and maybe end up with a congregation of 100. He did translate the Bible into their language. When he died, there were 100 churches with over 8,000 who had committed their life to Jesus. The prospects are just as bright as the promises of God. Don't tell me there's no regeneration. Don't tell me that God's power is not available, that people's lives cannot be changed. Don't tell me there's no rebirth. I'm telling you, I see it before me. Amen? I know it's true, and it could be yours today. It's so simple. If you would believe that there is such a thing as regeneration, that Jesus really did die and regenerated. Do you believe it? He literally regenerated and ascended into heaven and there his body and him live forevermore. Do you believe that? If you believe that and you believe that he is our Lord and Savior, then if you're willing to make a commitment to make him your Lord, you can repent of sin, give your life to him, confess his name and we'll baptize you for the remission of your sins. And that is your regeneration. And you then, your soul's regenerated. You just wait for the resurrection. I'm looking forward to it, aren't you? If you're not ready for it, don't you want to get ready? Won't you get ready? If you need to come, come right now as we stand and as we sing.